Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts, Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel, and now home of an on-the-spot embroidery service, also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester, there is plenty of parking out back, or give them a call for more information on all your screen printing and embroidery needs, 617-282-4181, that's 617-282-4181, or go to beantownathletics.com and make sure you tell them I sent you. So, usually on Wednesday's podcast, every Wednesday, I usually look ahead to the upcoming week in the NFL and preview the entire week and go over every game and look at the playoff race. And I know on yesterday's podcast, a podcast in which I ripped the NFL officials for making an officiating change, which is absolutely pathetic, uh, you can go back and get that on yesterday's show. But during that show, I told you that today... I would take a look at the playoff picture if the NFL playoffs began today. Instead, I have to scrap that because sometimes things happen in which the biggest story is not always the National Football League. And today, the biggest story is certainly not the National Football League. At least not in my world. In my world, when there's a major baseball signing or a major baseball trade, that is the biggest story. And what we had last night was a major baseball signing, a huge signing. And it has to do with some things that I've talked about many times, and especially on yesterday's podcast, because yesterday I recorded this thing in the early afternoon, late morning, and I talked about the numbers that were out there, potentially what the Red Sox were willing to give David Price. Okay? We talked about those numbers. And the number was... 30, around $30 million a season for six or seven years. And, you know, we can go back and forth on some of the other contracts in Major League Baseball, the biggest names, what the biggest pitches are getting. But I told you on yesterday's podcast, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if those reports were true, that the Red Sox would be willing to pay David Price $30 mil. And I told you yesterday that I'd be okay with that because I expected him to get that much. In, in the baseball world that we live in, where free agency is crazy and the money that's spent is ridiculous, uh, in a league that has no salary cap, yes, they have a luxury tax, but there's no salary cap. If the team wants to pay the luxury tax, then they'll pay it and they will continue to spend money. And I told you the Boston Red Sox, the way I always feel about them is they're an organization, a big market club in a city that desperately, you know, we care about this Red Sox team and we're desperate for championships. Uh, we want them all the time. We can't get enough championships. We do not want to see this team in last place every year. And that's what they've been the last two years. And they've been there because they don't have start and pitching. And in this baseball world where money is going to be spent, crazy money is going to be spent, especially on stud start and pitching, dominant start and pitching, I am okay with the Red Sox going out to spend. And that's exactly what they did yesterday because the latest news, the biggest news in the world of sports is that last night the Red Sox have signed David Price. Yes, they have signed David Price. It's a move that 
I, I'm not shocked with. It's a move that I wanted to see them make. You know, we looked at all the free agent starting pitching that was out there. The Johnny Cuetos, the Zach Greinke's. Now, I'll get to Greinke's potential contract in just a minute. But I, I, if I had to pick between those three guys that I just mentioned, David Price, Johnny Cueto, Zach Greinke, given all factors combined, I told you many times before, I want to see David Price be that guy. And if you thought that David Price wasn't going to get close to $30 million a season in a contract as a free agent at 30 years old, if you thought he wasn't going to get this type of deal, then you're just not paying attention to what stud players in Major League Baseball are getting as free agents. Not even as free agents. As guys who sign contract extensions, they get this type of money, right? So no surprise here that David Price is going to get a seven-year deal worth $217 million. It comes out to about $31 million per season. Uh, I, I expected him to get that much, and I wanted to see the Red Sox sign him. So I am not going to sit here today and be disappointed at all. In fact, I am thrilled. I am jacked up. I am excited, and I love this deal. I told you I love the Craig Kimbrell trade, and I love the signing of David Price. He is coming to Boston Seven years, $217 million, which again comes out to about $31 million a season. I am not just fine with it, I love it. And I got some people coming to me on my Facebook, on my Twitter, that don't like it. because. And as I sort of previewed this yesterday, this was before we even knew David Price would officially sign. But yesterday we talked about some reports that said the Red Sox would just, you know... They were gonna. They were basically gonna go all in on David Price, and they weren't. Nobody else was gonna be a higher bidder than them for David Price's services. We're hearing some reports that maybe David Price, at the last minute, you know, changed his mind from going to St. Louis and went to the Red Sox. But I don't. Here's the deal. That report's going to come out. What I believe is that David Price was just probably using every single team. David Price sees the reports that the Red Sox are not going to get outbid for his services, right? He sees those reports. His agent sees those reports. What you do then is you use every other team in baseball. And if there is any team that is sort of even going to come close to that $30 million a year number for six, seven years, then what you do is... You take that team and you use them to your negotiation advantage. That's what you do. That's what That would be a smart business decision. So I don't actually think David Price was ever going to the Cardinals. I think it was probably a Cardinals team that was willing to spend some money. And perhaps in negotiations with them, they were pretty close to the $30 million a year range. And you come back to the Red Sox and say, hey, guys, Dave Dombrowski, you know, you say you want to be the highest bidder. But, you know, we got St. Louis offering David Price six years at about $28, 29000000 a season. You know, we're looking for that number 30 and perhaps even maybe a little bit more than that. And we're looking for that seventh year, right? And also, in, on top of this deal, there's an opt-out clause. But I'll get to that in a second. But you utilize all of this in your negotiation strategy if you're an agent. And David Price's agent knew, just like we all knew. That the Red Sox and Dave Dombrowski wanted David Price, right? David Price's agent knew that. He knew it. I knew it. You knew it. We all knew it. The media knew it. The fans knew it. Baseball knew it. 
And if you know that, well, you you can basically you have all the leverage. But I don't think the Red Sox ever even cared about that. I think they knew that David Price somewhere was going to get close to 30 mil. And I think they committed to the idea that we need pitching. And they should be committed to that idea and that theory. And if you're going to get it through free agency, you got to I mean, look, the people that complain about this David Price deal because they don't like the money. There's two things that people are, if you are complaining, okay? And I, again, I, I really don't know why because it's not your checkbook. And, you know, I had somebody... Right on my Facebook post, oh, beers are going to be so much more expensive. Tickets are going to go up. I got news for you. And I, I don't want to, you know, you know I, I hate being the bearer of bad news or the Debbie Downer type. But if, if the Red Sox did not sign David Price and they just went into the season with this shit rotation, this piece of shit rotation that they have, okay, with no ace, with Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, being the closest that they have. And I think he could be a very good pitcher. But... Still, I mean, you know, it's not a dominant rotation. If they went into the regular season in 2016 with this current team, this current rotation, for the next couple of years, prices are still going to go up. Like, the people, I don't understand. The people think prices are going to go down? Prices are not going down. They're only going up. I'm telling you right now. You got the David Ortiz farewell tour. I mean, it's the prices are always going to go up anyways. I don't think you signed David Price. And all of a sudden say, yep, here we go, jacking up the prices. They're going to jack up the prices anyways, regardless of who they sign, regardless of who they bring in. And so, so that's one issue people have, is the money that they spend, $30 million a season. And, and where I will combat that, and I will disagree with you, and basically I will try to talk you into accepting the money they're giving him is, look, the team needs pitching. And if they're going to raise the prices at Fenway and with the Red Sox anyways... Don't you want to have them raise the prices and see them win? Like, if you're going to pay all that money to go to a game, don't you want to go to the game, pay all that money, and see them win, not see them lose? Right? Because the, it's like people think, oh, they signed someone. Oh, here we go. Price is going up. It, even if they didn't sign David Price, the price to go to a game at Fenway, to get shit-faced at Fenway, to eat a couple hot dogs that'll make you sick to your stomach the next day at Fenway, that, those prices are going to go up. They are. So, I mean, let's, let's just back it up with that argument for a minute, okay? It, it just doesn't make sense. And when you look, if you want to see the team win and you see what they have in that rotation, you've got to sit there and go, they need pitching. But where are you going to get that pitching? What, you want to rely on Henry Owens? You want to rely on Brian Johnson getting back healthy, being a guy that, that's at the top of that rotation? You want to rely on Clay Buckholtz, Wade Miley, Rick Porcello? Joe Kelly, I mean, what are we doing here? you got to get pitching. And the only way that you can get pitching, if it's through free agency, you got to spend the big bucks. Okay, you got to spend the big bucks. So anybody complaining about the money, you just, you're not paying attention to what it takes to go sign that type of pitcher, that type of player. I mean, look at it. Here's some other notable pitcher contracts out there. If you want that ace in the top of your rotation, Clayton Kershaw, what was his extension? Seven years, 215 mil, 30 million. That's 30 million a season. Max Scherzer, he signed with the Nationals. Seven years, 210 mil. That's 30 million a season. You know, you go to last year, John Lester, six years, 155 mil. It's about 26 per season. All right? And, and John Lester's going to be 32. He's going to be 32 years old soon. So he's going to be 32 in January. So, I mean, 
Look, David Price, he's still 30. He doesn't turn 31 until August. He'll be pitching most of next season at the age of 30. And it, it, it just, look, it's the market. It, it's what, this is what you have to pay to get a dominant start and pitcher. And I had this conversation with the boys at Beantown here before I came into the studio and started recording is, you know, it's only going up. Like, this is only going up. And in fact, people say, well, when, you know, when's it going to get higher than this? It's going to get higher than this maybe later today. By the time you listen to this podcast, the market's going up. The number's going up. The price to get an ace is going up. Because Zach Cranky reportedly, with David Price last night, signing with the Red Sox, getting a seven-year, $217 million contract, which again comes out on average to $31 million per season. The news today is that Zach Cranky, his deal with either the Dodgers or the Giants. Apparently, those are the two teams. And good, you know, good for Zach Greinke. He's a West Coast. He's a West Coast pitcher. He is out on the West Coast. Uh, you know, the the pressure is not the same out there as it would be playing in Boston or New York. So he dominated there. I still think he stays with the Dodgers. I really do. Though, if you're the Giants and you're looking at some notable pitcher contracts, I mean, Madison Bumgarner. Wow. I mean, this guy is an absolute horse. You saw what he did, uh, not this past World Series, the World Series before. He's 26 years old. He is an absolute bargain for the Giants. His contract extension a little backloaded, making, what, 11, 12 mil the next couple of years. And the Giants basically have club options on Madison Bumgarner, I think, through 2019 into 2020. So, I mean, you know, this is a guy that's looking at those contracts going, holy shit. Like, I mean, if Madison Bumgarner was a free agent right now, you know what he'd get? He would get probably more than David Price, right? He'd be getting $230 million for seven years. Maybe an eight-year deal for $260 million. Who knows? It would be crazy. He'd be making $35 million a season. But So maybe the Giants, the money that they're saving with the bargain that they have on Madison Bumgarner, they could go out and give Granky this big deal. I still think that, that Granky is going to want to stay with the Dodgers. His numbers at Dodgers Stadium, uh, I mean, they're as dominant as you could ever see a pitcher's numbers be at a specific ballpark. But they are saying today that Granky's deal with either the Dodgers or the Giants could get him up to $33 million a season. $33 million a season for Zach Greinke. And that's just, but that's just the market. I mean, people who get upset with that, that's just what it is. And it's going to continue to increase year after year. I do think there'll be some point where maybe there's, you know, CBA, a lockout or another strike shortened season. Or something will happen. Maybe some numbers will get knocked down. I don't know. But it is what it is right now. <laughs> and right now... To get an ace, to get a stud starting pitcher through free agency, you got to spend money. You got to. There's no other way around it. You're not getting. You're not getting David Price unless you spend thirty million a season, and that's what the Red Sox did. And I'm thrilled that they did it. I am. I'm thrilled that they did it. You know. So the money's one thing. If if anybody disagrees with it, they're disagreeing with the money. But I don't disagree with it. You got to pay to get that type of player, and in a league with no salary cap. Uh, with a big market club like the Red Sox, I I would much rather be... I always say this to people who complain about spending money. I say there are so many people around the country that love their teams in in really any sport. And 
and even sports that have salary caps, and they don't see their teams spend enough money. Like, they sit there and go, our owner's cheap. Our owner doesn't spend money. He doesn't want to spend it on this, doesn't want to spend it on that. Look around Major League Baseball where there's no salary cap. See how many teams do not spend money, refuse to spend money. I don't want to be in that situation. I'd much rather be in this situation where my ball club, my baseball team, is spending the money to put a championship contender on the field. Now, they don't always spend it in the right places. I'm with you on that one. You're right. The people say, well, they got this guy, they got that guy, they, they got the other guy. They spent big money. It didn't work out. Look, sometimes, look, it's not always going to work out. It's not. You, sometimes you run into guys that had big contract years that maybe aren't as motivated once they get the big contract. You got guys that sometimes are still motivated, but when it come when they come to a town like Boston, they can't handle the pressure. They just can't do it here. It's a different beast playing in this town. Playing in Boston and New York is different than playing anywhere else uh, in the world. So uh, there are there are some contracts that don't work out, but you'll never know unless you you give them out. And that's where it gets into the next conversation with David Price as to the other reason why some people might disagree with this deal. And giving so much money to him. And they'll say, playoffs, 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 playoffs. Postseason, postseason, postseason. Look at the postseason numbers. I don't know. He doesn't do it in the postseason. Wow. If you listen to this show and you listen to me, you know my argument. what my argument has been on this with, with pitches in the postseason. Certainly, you have to look at it. I'm not saying you completely ignore it. If a guy has bad postseason numbers in his career, and he's somebody that folds up like a beach chair when, when you know, like you fold your beach chair up, you throw it in the basement in October at the end of September when you can't go down the beach anymore, at least, you know, here in the Northeast. Um, you got a pitcher that folds up like a beach chair when the weather gets cold and the games are more meaningful and championships are on the line. You have to look into that. Like that, that's that's an important thing. I'm not. I've never said it's not important, but you have to be logical with it. Like you just can't Google David Price's postseason stats, look at the numbers, and come to me and say he's a terrible postseason pitcher. I don't want him. You can't sign this guy. You can't spend the money on him. Like that. That is lazy. You can't do that. And that's not how the Red Sox are going to do it. Do, do I think they look into it? Sure they do. But if you actually look into it, and you don't just Google David Price postseason stats, what you'll see is a pitcher who has dominant stuff in the regular season, okay, who is maturing as a professional athlete, who has shown improvements in the postseason. Not just in the postseason. In this past postseason, he showed improvements during that postseason. He did. Here's what you'll tell me. You'll say, well, I mean, this year in the postseason, he had a 6.17 ERA, went 1-2 and two with a 6.17 ERA in 23 and a third innings. He allowed four home runs. And, you know, he didn't help the Toronto Blue Jays get to the promised land and didn't help him win a championship and didn't step up in the big moments. You'll look at those numbers and you'll try to tell me that. But what I'll do is I'll ask you, did you watch the ALCS against Kansas City when Toronto played Kansas City? Like, did you watch that? 
Did you actually watch David Price pitch in the ALCS against Kansas City? Because if you did, I don't think you're going to come to me with those numbers or those stats. Because it was pretty evident that while there were a couple bumps in the road, in that ALCS, David Price finished both games that he pitched against Kansas City with eight strikeouts. One. Okay? That's one. He finished both of those games with eight strikeouts. Two is that David Price gets into the seventh inning in both of those games. And the first game he pitched in that series, by the way, both games were in Kansas City on the road. That crowd was rocking in KC. In the first game he pitched, David Price was absolutely dealing against Kansas City in Kansas City. His first his first game of the ALCS. I think it was game two, maybe, right? David Price dealing, okay? He gets into the seventh inning. There was something happened in right field, right? A ball dropped in. You know, it wasn't like he was getting racked. But then, you know, there were a couple things that were happening. You look at the maybe his location around the plate. And at that point, all right, a couple hits drop in. You're saying, look, the wheels have fallen off. Okay, it's early in the series. David Price, he was dealing today. He was, you know, he came out and gave us everything we needed. It's it's the seventh inning. Though everybody that had eyes could see that the wheels were falling off David Price in that seventh. Apparently, his manager did not. Apparently, his manager did not. And I remember... I was on WEI live watching this game play out, okay? I was watching it play out. It was a Saturday late afternoon, and I could see the wheels falling off, and I said it live on WEI. I said, take him out of the game because he has confidence right now. He went into the seventh inning. All right, he let a couple guys on base. That's it. He has confidence. You have to take him out, and you go into his next start, and he's feeling great about himself. He's feeling great about him, about his stuff. He's got eight strikeouts. You know, he's he got the job done. If a guy comes out of the bullpen and lets up a couple runs, well, I think David Price can go to bed that night thinking, I did my job, okay? I did my job. But you leave him out, the wheels are falling off, and they can they just, you let them fall off instead of preventing it. And I think that's a, that's bad managing right there. I mean, how many guys can you look at in Major League Baseball and and say, well, he had this, he gets late into the game, and they left him out there for too long? It happens all the time. It does. It happens all the time. Uh, people yell. They say, well, David Price, if he's going to be the ace, he's got to get through that. Look, before, up to that point, that seventh inning, he was dominant. Nobody's going to see that. You just look at the box score. You see that in that game, he let up five earned runs. Uh, in six and two-thirds innings. Look, he didn't walk anybody in that game. Again, he struck out eight, and and he did the job into the seventh inning, and he should have been yanked. Okay? But I think that was a very good start for David Price. The numbers might not tell you that. You had to use your eyes to see that. You had to watch that game. The next game he pitched in that ALCS. Uh... He did not get, he was not factored into the decision of this one. Got a no decision. Got into the seventh inning again. He had eight strikeouts again, as I mentioned. He only walked one guy. He let up two home runs. Let up two home runs. Let up three runs in this game. Let up two home runs. 
The two home runs came solo shots very early in the game. I think there was one in the first inning. I think there was one in the second inning. After that, David Price settled down, and he was dealing. He was dealing. That was it. He was dealing in this game. And you look at it, no decision. The team loses. He lets up two home runs. You're going to look at that and say, oh, he didn't come through in the postseason. Well, look, he let up runs early. And after that, he settled down and gave you a dominant performance. He did. But you wouldn't know that unless you watched. You wouldn't know that if you just Google David Price postseason stats. So there have been improvements. And look, there have been some very good pitches in this league that become solid postseason pitches that, that it takes some time to figure that out. It does. Take some time to figure that out. Clayton Kershaw is one of them. I mean, he seemed to figure it out this year, but before this season, Clayton Kershaw, you're looking at him going, man, why, he can't get them the big win in the postseason, right? Kershaw having, having trouble in the postseason, having trouble in the playoffs. What, you're telling me you wouldn't sign, you, you tell me that's a bad contract for the Dodgers when they re-signed Kershaw and decided to give him 30 mil a season? That's bad because he couldn't pitch in the postseason? Well, the type of stuff that these guys have, Kershaw's, the David Price's of the world, they're going to figure it out. At least I'm going to take my chances on them figuring it out with my team because their stuff is too good to not figure it out. And on top of it, if you watch what they've done, Kershaw seemed to figure it out this year. And David Price, even though the numbers and the results weren't necessarily there, if you watch those performances in the ALCS, I thought they were very good. Here's the other issue, though. For people with the postseason arguments. And again, I know, we, I've done this many times before. But since it is official now, and I do have some people coming at me, and I'm trying to defend myself when I say I love this seven-year, $217 million contract the Red Sox are giving David Price. As I mentioned, this is a Red Sox team that's been in last place in the division the last two seasons. You know what that means? That means this team is not in the playoffs. You're going to get back to the playoffs before you can start getting greedy about who's good and who's not in the postseason. All right? Let's get back to the playoffs first. And even when you add David Price, I still think you need more. Like, I still think they need another starting pitcher. And I'll get to that in just a second. But for the people who have the two arguments on David Price and think, well, it's not a good deal, they say, one, it's too much money. They say, two, the guy can't perform in the postseason. I... I disagree with both of those things. I disagree with both of those things. I really do. And the biggest argument I might have when you take all of those things and factor them all in and everything combined is that you got to get back to the postseason. And I got news for you. If they didn't make this move and they don't get back to the postseason, the prices at Fenway is still going up. And if they're going to go up and we're going to be paying that much money, at Fenway, to see this team play. Let's see this team win, and let's see them get back to the postseason. And what David Price does is he gives you a great opportunity to do that, to get back into the playoffs. He does. He gives you a great opportunity to do that. And your rotation is so much better today than it was yesterday. The Red Sox rotation, this rotation is so much better today than it was yesterday. It's not even funny. And, I mean, David Price, when he went to Toronto last year, in 11 starts with the Blue Jays, this is another thing. 
in the division. He's pitched for Tampa Bay. He's had great success. He's pitched with Toronto now. Has had tremendous success in, in a playoff race, taking a team to the playoffs. Toronto doesn't make the playoffs unless David Price is on that team. They don't. David Price in 11 starts for the Blue Jays. A 2.30 ERA. Went 9-1. 2.30 ERA. Combined with Detroit and Toronto, David Price, 2.45 ERA, an 18-5 record, 225 strikeouts. He's going to get you 200 strikeouts. He's going to have an ERA, um, you know, under little under three. I mean, look, this is, this is somebody that the Red Sox desperately need. And I can't un- understand why anybody would not like this. I really can't. I love it. I love the deal. And I I just think that this is somebody that people are going to love once they start seeing him pitch for this team. They're going to love it. They're going to love watching him pitch. And I don't think that, you know, when David Price, when he is dominating in mid-July, in August, has this team back in a playoff race, Right? I don't think you're going to be sitting there at Fenway complaining about how much money the team is spending on him. I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, I love it. I do. I still think they need more. To, to get to championship contender, I think they need another starting pitcher. And I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm telling you right now. I am telling you right now, I do not think the Red Sox are done. I don't. I don't think they're done. I think they, I, I just think there's, I think there's some type of trade that's still going to be worked out. And you might say, well, they're, pitch, they're paying David Price so much money. Like, what else could they possibly do? Any other pitcher they go get, they're going to have to spend a shitload on. Well, maybe not. Not if they get somebody who's under control is going to be arbitration eligible through, let's say, 2019, 2020. And that type of player would be someone by the name of Sonny Gray. I- I'm telling you right now. I- I- that's just one thing. Now, people throw out Chris Sale. And uh, he's someone that's under contract. That's, But still, I mean, it's not David Price money. I think he's making, what, anywhere between 16 and $19 million? the next couple seasons, but, you know, if you can go out and get someone who's either still under the uh, arbitration, who's still arbitration eligible, Sonny Gray is making a league minimum again 2016, Dan is arbitration eligible through 2019, and I, we've already gone over, it's just what Oakland does, and they've said many times before they're not going to trade guys, and you can talk them into it. You can talk anybody into anything if you make them an offer that they cannot refuse, okay? And you got to be persistent. And you got to be aggressive, and you got to—you can't take no for an answer. Look, the Red Sox still have pieces to make a potential trade. To, I think get a team like an Oakland to listen to you, and if you get them to listen to you, I, I just—I look at what the Red Sox still have, right? When they traded for Kimbrel, they didn't give up Henry Owens, they didn't give up Brian Johnson. How many? How many times did we talk about those kids? And say, wow, look at how much you could get for them. They didn't trade. Last time I checked, they didn't trade Blake Swihart. Right? They still have Travis Shaw, who was putting balls in the seats at a crazy rate last season that I never expected to see. 
Uh, they still have some other young players and prospects in this organization that have a whole lot of value. They still have a Jackie Bradley Jr. type in the outfield. The Red Sox can, they have some major pieces to the puzzle that they can move. And I mean, I look at someone like Blake Swihart, and I do not consider him untouchable. I don't. And I think he would be a huge piece to a trade. Look, they're not trading Xander Bogots. So you can, you can get rid of that notion. There's no way you're going to trade a kid who figured it out. There's no way you're going to trade a kid who figured it out defensively at shortstop and hit 320 last year. Like, that's just, you're not going to trade that kid. But they have a lot of other stuff. They have a lot of other pieces to be able to give up. And I look at Christian Vasquez coming back, and I'm thinking to myself, he's the guy that can catch, you know, most of the season, right? And you got a veteran like Hannigan. What is Swihart's role? What, what's he going to do? You just, you, you're going to just you're gonna keep him on the bench? What, like, where are you going with him? Where are you going with, like, what are you going to do with Henry Owens? Brian Johnson, look, what are we doing here? There's still, to me, I look at it and think, eh, it's just something, there's still pieces that are still here that I did not think would still be here. And it leads me to believe that I, that the Red Sox are not done. I still think they got a trade to make for a stud starting pitcher. I do. This David Price thing, to me, does not tell me that they are done. And I know the Red Sox and Dave Dombrowski, they have come out and said, we're going to, do this, and we're going to get the free agent starting pitcher. Well, yeah, no shit. You need to do that. You have, you have money to spend. Spend it. Spend, if you're going to spend it, spend it on the best that's available. And they did that. They went out and got David Price. But last time I checked, all they did was sign a check to get David Price. When they traded for Craig Kimbrell, all they did was trade prospects that were not called up to the bigs. They still have all of those kids that have been called up the last year, over the last calendar year, that have a whole lot of trade value. And I think you could dangle or at least have conversations with another team about and say, what's it going to take to get that guy? What's it going to take to get that stud starting pitcher, the young kid in his mid-20s that you don't want to pay, Mr. Billy Bean? What's it going to take? We have heard, we heard last year the Red Sox already were in conversations trying to get Sonny Gray. They were. And I don't see why they would stop. We haven't even got to the winter meetings yet. Winter meetings are coming up. All right? Winter meetings are coming up. And we know, we know what happens at those. Everybody's talking. Everybody's having a conversation. Why wouldn't you? GMs, presidents of baseball operation, they were all having conversations. And uh, I don't see why the Red Sox wouldn't have a conversation with Oakland. I don't see why. Because, look, David Price, he is going to absolutely get this team back in a playoff race. There's no question. But the, the, the other thing I've learned in, in Major League Baseball and watching it is, you know, I, I always say this about the Red Sox. The best thing the Red Sox ever did was have Thanksgiving dinner at Kurt Schilling's house because it added, you know, you need the ace, you need the one, and you need the 1A in this league. You do. Look at the playoffs this year. Look at the teams that were in the playoffs, right? 
The teams that had not just one pitcher, but two stud starting pitchers. The Blue Jays had Price, and they had Stroman. Right? Uh, the Royals had Yodano Ventura, and they had Johnny Cueto. I mean, go to the Mets. The Mets had three, maybe even a fourth with Steven Matz added to the equation. But we'll, ta- we'll call it a three-headed monster with uh, Javi, Syndergaard, and DeGrom. Right? The Mets had three. You look at the L.A. Dodgers. They had Kershaw. They had Greinke. You, you need more than one ace. And when I look at the rest of this Red Sox rotation, sure, Eduardo Rodriguez, there's an opportunity for him uh, to, to figure some things out. And he has the power stuff. He's got that. He can blow a fastball by at 95, 96. Got to stop tipping his pitches, but I, can you figure that out? I would hope so. He's a young kid. He was a top prospect in baseball before, you know, he got traded to the Red Sox last year from Baltimore, and he got called up this past season, and he was really a breath of fresh air when everybody else in the Red Sox rotation sucked. Eduardo Rodriguez was a kid that came up that seemed to have, you know, seemed to be a little cold-blooded. You know, the pressure wasn't really getting to him, and I like that. So you got potential there. Um, I'm not a Wade Miley guy. Clay Buckholz is not going to last the full season. Joe Kelly thrived at the end of the season last year, but only, I'm convinced, only because there was absolutely zero pressure on him. He seems like a head case to me. Got great stuff. I can't understand why he couldn't figure it out. But when he did figure it out, I don't think it was because he actually figured it out. I think it was because there was no pressure on him. I still look at the Red Sox rotation and think they need more. And when you need more and you're not going to go out and sign another starting pitcher, you might want to trade for one. Somebody that could be, and I shouldn't even say affordable because I think with the Red Sox, you know, money really shouldn't be an issue. But I can understand you're not going to go out, give one guy 30 mil a year, and then two weeks later give another guy 30 mil a year. It's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. That might just be bad business. But what you could do is take some of the trade chips that you have and that the organization has acquired over the last couple of years that you have pumped up so much, that we have all pumped up so much, that still have a whole lot of trade value, and go out and make the move that I think is still there to be made. I do. I think it's still there to be made. So I I don't think the Red Sox are done. At least I don't think they're done. I should say this. I should clarify. I don't think they're done trying. Winter meetings are coming up. Any conversation could ha- could be had there. We've already heard the Marlins are going to trade Jose Fernandez, right? Uh, who is arbitration eligible for the next couple years. He's a Boris guy. He's going to want a ton of money. But, I mean, you know, I also mentioned the David Price opt-out clause after three years. I, I, that's that's big, and, and because if you're David Price, I don't think you know you don't hate it if you're David Price. If you're the Red Sox, you don't hate it. You don't hate it at all, because if you're David Price, you're thinking, oh, for the next three years. And when you see the numbers that are going up for starting pitching, you know, after the next three years and three four years from now, what's going to be the market for a stud starting pitcher? It's going to be close to forty mil a season, probably, right? So David Price might be able to say, wow, I make this big deal, make thirty mil a season for the next three years, and if I can still dominate, I'll be 33 into 34 years old. I'll be 33 years old, 
And I mean, you could make another 25, 30 mil on another deal. That's maybe even longer. And so there, there are things that, that, I, that opt-out clause, both sides, I can see why they would like. And if you're the Red Sox, you say, well, after three years, he goes, hey, we got money to spend on someone else. We got money to spend on someone like, who knows who's available then? Maybe Jose Fernandez will be available to sign. Maybe uh, Sonny Gray will be available to sign. Maybe Madison Bumgarner will be there to sign. I mean, so both sides have options with this three-year opt-out clause. And, you know, that's why I like it. But I don't think Price right now, he's not the be-all, end-all of what the Red Sox should be trying to do this offseason. I think they still need to add another starting pitcher. And you know what? Maybe not this offseason. Maybe at the deadline. Maybe Oakland, maybe it takes the trade deadline to trade for Sonny Gray. Maybe you add Sonny Gray at the trade deadline. I think what you would risk in that spot, though, is maybe... Blake Swihart would struggle and his trade value would go down, right? Depending on the playing time he gets when Kristen Vasquez comes back. Uh, maybe you risk, maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. all of a sudden starts struggling and you couldn't, he doesn't have any trade value anymore. Like none. The, I'll tell you what, the minute Jackie Bradley Jr. shows a couple months of struggle at the major league level, his, he's going to have zero trade value. His trade value, I think, is, is high right now. I really do. I mean, I'm not saying you got to move him, and I'm not saying he will struggle. I'm just telling you the things that you could do and the things that you risk if you try to wait till ne- this trade deadline to trade for that stud starting pitcher on some of the pieces you have, right? Like Henry Owens, Brian Johnson. Maybe Henry Owens just he gets exposed because he can't throw hotter than 90 miles an hour, as good as that curve or that that changeup is, right? He maybe he gets exposed for that. Maybe his trade value is just diminished. Same thing with Brian Johnson. Maybe he can't get healthy. All of a sudden, you got no trade value there. You, you, you keep these guys for another half season, you start to risk knocking down the trade value for some of these kids. And I don't know that that would be the best business decision. So, yeah, you could wait, and maybe Oakland deals Sonny Gray at the deadline, or maybe they'll be more uh, likely to do that by the deadline, or you could try to convince them now and give them an offer that they can't refuse and give them an offer that you say, you're not going to get this at the trade deadline. You can get it from us now, but you won't get it at the deadline. Like me giving you Swihart in a deal, you, you will not, you can't, you won't get him at the trade deadline. Or Henry Owens can't get him at the trade deadline. I, I just... I see the price move. I see the signing as much as I love it. I also see what Major League Baseball is, and it's dominant pitching, not just with one ace, but two. But two. You saw it, and and power pitching. You saw it in the playoffs. You did. So, I don't think the Red Sox are done trying, at least. They're not done trying. They shouldn't be. But the David Price signing, I absolutely love it. Seven years, 217 mil. Comes out to 31 mil a season. He can opt out after three years. Uh, the 31 million per year is the most ever for a pitcher, at least until Zach Greinke gets his deal, which they're saying could be about 33 million a season with either the Dodgers or the Giants. So any other baseball news will keep our eye on it, and I'll react to it on this show, even if it is not Red Sox related. Just one more David Price stat for you before I move on uh, to a couple other thoughts here. 
Uh, one more David Price stat for you before I move on. And that would be this. David Price at Fenway. Price has a 1.95 ERA at Fenway Park. It is the best in any ballpark. It is the best ERA in any ballpark he has visited at least 10 times and the lowest ERA among any player since Price debuted in 2008. So, if you were, if there was any concern, any other concern about any numbers, maybe at Fenway or in Boston, David Price is pretty good when he pitches in Boston. And that is another great sign because this is a tough place to play. And it's a tough place to have success even if you have success in another city, in, in another organization. Price has proven not just that he can do it in this division, he can do it in this town. And he can do it in the regular season. We know that. Some people have questions about the postseason, but I told you if you actually watch the postseason games that he had, I think you might be singing a different tune rather than when you just Googled David Price postseason stats. All right? So, David Price, welcome to the Boston Red Sox. I can't wait for spring training, but I also hope that, yes, you'll be, you'll be the opening day starter. We know that, but I hope the, that game number two is somebody other than what they currently have on the team because I hope they go out and now make a major trade. I told you they can do both from the get-go. I am not backing off that, at least. I don't think they should stop trying right now. So the winter meeting's coming up. Uh, we'll get to some more baseball stuff, obviously, throughout the winter. But uh, that's the biggest news of the day. So tomorrow I will give my NFL Week 13 preview. I usually do it on Wednesday, but this David Price signing with the Red Sox news is the biggest story of the day, so I got to go with that. And... um. Uh, if I if that didn't happen, I'd be giving you my preview today, and I'd also be talking about this Rob Gronkowski thing because we're wondering when he's going to come back. He says he is not returning until he's 100%. Now, the Patriots sent out a joint statement yesterday from both the team and the Gronkowski family. We've known this in the past when Gronk's been hurt. His family is involved. Look, he's still a young kid. I have no problem with this. And I never have a problem. I cannot sit here and argue if a player is looking out for his own personal being. For his own, if a player is looking out for himself and his own health, I can't argue with that. I can't. Especially in a league in which contracts are not guaranteed. Okay? Can't do it. And Gronk, everybody knows how dominant he is. Everybody knows he's a player that you cannot afford to lose. And everybody knows that right now he's the best tight end in football. And if he continues at this pace and stays healthy, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. All right? We all know that. It's no surprise with those comments I just made. But this guy is still looking to get paid down the line. He's still looking to stay healthy and win more championships. And he's not going to rush back, especially when the team is 10-1. and And you know you're going to the postseason, Right? And so, look, this might rub some people the wrong way, but but here's what, where I'm going to go with it. And I, I'm telling you right now, the Patriots are probably not happy with Gronk tweeting some things, with Gronk coming out with a video, with the family involved in a statement to be sent out from the team. Because if the Patriots had it their way, there would be no injury report. There would be no number of percentages for when guys are going to come back and don't come back. There would be nothing for you. 
All right? There'd be nothing. They, they come out with the injury report because they have to. And, and I, there's no way they're entirely truthful on that. So if they had it their way, they would not have Gronk send out a video. They would not have a joint statement with the family. They wouldn't have any statement. They'd have a no comment. They'd say, you're going to have to look at the injury report when it comes out this week. That's what they'd say. And if he didn't play, they'd say, well, next man up, and we'll move on to next week, and we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate him next week, and we'll send out an injury report next week, and when next week's game comes, then you'll see if he's playing or if he's not playing. We'll let you know through the injury report. So I'm sure the Patriots are not happy right now with some of the stuff that's going on. But uh, So this isn't necessarily the, the way the Patriots work, but I don't think it's going to be the, the downfall of the Patriots. And in fact, let's, let's also acknowledge that, let's say that if Gronk and the family didn't come out with a statement, or Gronk didn't come out with a video, or he didn't tweet anything, right? If Gronk didn't play the next two games, right? Would anybody really be shocked? No. I mean, if he's not 100%, I don't think the Patriots are going to throw him out there. Bill Belichick has even said, you watch any of these videos that are on NFL Network, or NFL Films, Belichick points out, you know, Gronk, you know, we missed him. No, we, when, he, when, when he's not out there, we miss him. There's no question. They are not going to rush him back. I'm telling you right now, they're not. In fact, that's why they got Chandler, in case anything happened to Gronk. And I'm not saying Chandler is Gronk. Don't even start that. I'm not saying it. You can't replace Gronk. It's not going to happen. But if you have to be without him for a couple weeks so that you know he can get to 100%, I don't care if he tells us that or his family tells us that or he tweets it or gives us a video. It's just common sense. You know, so Gronk's sort of just giving us common sense. I know there's going to be some people that are going to come up with the, with the theories or they're going to try to use this to say, oh, the Patriots and Gronk, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're not seeing eye to eye with this. This could be a problem in the future with these two sides. And they're going to roll with it, and they're going to come up with some things to, to go along with it, and some theories, and some outrageous thoughts. But the bottom line is this. Everything that Gronk and his family have come out and told us in the last 24 hours is sort of common sense. And is the exact way I would like to see the Patriots handle it. But if they didn't come out with these statements, I don't think the Patriots would handle it differently than what they're telling us. I just don't think the Patriots want to tell us anything. They just don't want to tell us. They don't want to give away a percentage. They don't want to give up any hints to the other team. Nothing. All right? They don't want to tell them what color uniform they're wearing the day of the game. But, you know, you have to. And at home, you wear the blues. Right? So, I mean, I can't make too much about this because everything that Gronk said, everything his family said, if the Patriots don't like it, I think they don't like it because that's not the way they do business. They don't tell people anything about injuries unless it's on the injury report. But with regards to the words that actually came out of Gronk's mouth, with the mindset that he and his family has, the Patriots probably have the same mindset, which means that there's nothing else going on here. We wait and see. And when Gronk's 100%, he'll return. The only question we should have is, when is he going to be 100%? I have no idea. No clue. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you I know with regards to the Patriots. When it comes to receivers and guys that are going to be playing for this team the next couple weeks, I'll tell you who's not going to be playing for the Patriots. And I'll close it out with this thought. 
it is not going to be Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens sent out an Instagram. And I have laughed at the notion that Terrell Owens is working out or Randy Moss is still working out, that these guys could come back to the Patriots. I have serious conversations with people where they entertain this idea and they're dead serious on it. And I'm telling you right now, that's where people have absolutely lost their fucking minds. People knock me for thinking that maybe Chris Hopper could be thrown out there and and be a productive receiver for this team if Tom Brady trusted him throwing him the football. I mean, granted, he fumbled the punt, and yes, he should be released after that, and maybe he finds himself on the practice squad. I would think so again, but we'll see. But I'm I'm okay with releasing him. Um, I still think that it's more likely he's put on the practice squad and maybe late in the season gets some other opportunity than it is for the Patriots to sign a Terrell Owens or a, a Randy Moss. I mean, that's not going to happen. If people are living in a dream world. Like, this isn't a video game. Randy Moss hasn't played since 2012 with the 49ers in 16 games. He only caught 28 passes and was targeted 51 times in a full season. He's not playing in the NFL again. And I mean, do I even need to go into Terrell Owens? But this is the story. Terrell Owens, what, last night on his Instagram, he put a picture of that says, hashtag Pats Nation. Let's get Terrell Owens on the Pats. That's what he did. That's what he put on Instagram. And so people are reacting to it. And I'm laughing. That's it. I mean, I just want to let you know that Terrell Owens, who, by the way, hasn't played since 2010, who, by the way, is what, 42, 43? I don't even know. He's in his 40s. He's not playing for the Patriots. He's not playing in the NFL again. Let's get over this. He's looking for attention. He's looking to be marketed some way, shape, or form. He's looking to just be relevant. And if he needs to do that in social media, Instagram, Twitter, let him do it. What One thing we know about T.O., he loves the spotlight. And when he is out of it now for five years, it must be driving him fucking crazy. Because right now, Terrell Owens is a nobody. And he must hate that. And he will never play for the New England Patriots. If he does, I mean, I, I would be... I would be the most shocked person in the history of planet Earth in any given situation. It's it's just not happening. It just makes no sense. So he probably won't get over it because he'll still try to push himself and his name into the spotlight. And he wants us to talk about him. But me, I mean, it's just I'm trying to tell people it's not going to happen. So we'll leave it at that. Here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Also, if you don't have iTunes or an iPhone, you can get it on the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N. And uh, tomorrow, I know I usually do it Wednesday, but there was a biggest story today, David Price signing with the Red Sox. Tomorrow, I will give my NFL Week 13 preview. I will go over every game, and then on Friday, I will give you my picks with the spread. It's picks, picks every Friday. I had an awful weekend last weekend. This past weekend was just uh, it's a tough weekend. Tough weekend overall. All factors involved on all levels of, of life. <laughs> so uh, we'll bounce back, though. I am going to bounce back for week 13. we got a couple weeks left with Picks Picks. 
five games with the spread every Friday where I can bounce back and get my record back up to 500, maybe even over 500. We shall see. But tomorrow, I'll preview week 13 in the NFL. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. I'm on Instagram, any type of social media that's out there. You can find me back here tomorrow. Talk to you then.